When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So today I want to take some time to talk about the silver and gold markets and and the action that we've seen in the markets over the past couple weeks in reference to to the action over the past number of months or a couple of years and some parallels between that and what was going on in the spot price of silver and gold during the financial crisis and and the Great Recession, especially the the early parts of it, uh, you know, the the latter half of 2008, you know, early 2009. Uh, what parallels can we draw between that and what's occurring right now? I, I think it's natural for a lot of people to draw those parallels, not only because we're we're dealing with, you know, what would appear to be a similar uh, um, uh, crisis, uh, arguably much more compressed and maybe more severe crisis, uh, but certainly the largest crisis we've seen on a global scale since the global financial crisis of that time period. Uh, we're also seeing similar moves in markets, similar actions by governments, similar actions by central banks, etc. And in the silver and gold markets, we're seeing some sim- similar moves. Now, I want to compare and contrast and why I think that, yes, I think we can extrapolate somewhat based on, on what happened during that time period, but why my conclusion, I think, ultimately is much different. I think this this uh, next leg up in the bull market for for silver and gold, gold in particular, because silver has been lagging uh, considerably, um, and and so it'd be maybe the start of a new bull market for silver. Why I think it's going to look considerably different than how it looked following the the Great Recession and the financial crisis. Now, for reference, you know, as I'm talking right now, gold is trading around $1,716. Uh, silver is around $15.34. And in the previous week or two, I mean, gold has seen a considerable upside. Uh, silver has as well. You know, for context, um, silver is, is down on the day today. Uh, but not that long ago, less than a month ago, Silver actually traded below $12 an ounce for a brief period of time. And, and I'll be honest, if you've listened to my work for any amount of time, that was something that I, I uh, didn't expect heading into this next downturn. Whenever it ultimately happened, it just so happened to be 2020, happened to be uh, you know, a pandemic that was a catalyst for it. But I did not expect that significant drop. Uh, many people did. Because again, this is very similar to what happened during the financial crisis during the Great Recession back in, I think it was the latter half of 2008, uh, we had uh, silver, which had been doing fairly well in 2008 and, and dating all the way back to the early 2000s, um, drop from you know around $20 an ounce. It was in the teens for much of the time, but the high was you know around $20 an ounce, all the way back into uh, you know around $10 an ounce. I think it might have actually hit single digits. Now, another parallel, though, that we saw here uh, in these two very significant drops in price was that unless you were buying paper silver, which is not something I necessarily advocate, of course, don't take any of this as, as financial or investment advice, 
unless you were buying paper silver, you didn't actually generally buy it at that price. There were maybe, you know, a few examples here or there, just like maybe this time around, there's a few examples. But as a whole, you know, a, a less than a month ago when the price of silver was under $12 an ounce, most people weren't getting it for under, you know, $16, $17, $18 an ounce. 16 would have been a considerably uh, a good price. And, and I don't think that was very common. That certainly wasn't really I've seen. If I can recall, you know, from, from a, whole, a couple of weeks ago, what uh, dealers were, were selling it at that point in time. But again, a parallel. I didn't expect it to happen. It did happen. But for those of us that are stacking silver, it was to some extent an immaterial move in the sense that, well, it's not like we were buying it at 12 something an ounce. No, most people weren't buying physical at that price. We were still stuck in the high teens, mid teens at least. Um, in, in similar fashion, uh, gold dropped, um, you know, in uh, periods of time over the last, uh, you know, couple months uh, since this coronavirus really took over. So maybe two months. Um, it, it has, it did drop at times considerably. You know, it was at one point uh, well over sixteen hundred fifty dollars in. March and it dropped, you know, below fifteen hundred, briefly, and and that's a similar story as to what happened during the financial crisis and the Great Recession. You know, it's and, and the explanations for it are all out there. I mean, a lot of it is is that when everything is selling off, oftentimes uh, gold and silver positions are what are sold in order to you know make margin calls to whatever um, for for traders, for institutions, for hedge funds, and and that's really what happened. You know, back in in during the stock market crash of 2008, 2009, all of that jazz. You know, we had the price of gold, uh, which was, you know, briefly around $1,000, but really hanging out a lot in the, you know, high 800s, around $900 an ounce, um, drop, you know, briefly into the 700s, low 700s during that period of time. A lot of these, I'm, by the way, I'm just going off the goldprice.org, a lot of these price charts from that period of time. A significant sell-off in gold, but not as drastic as a sell-off in the price of silver. And similarly, during that period of time, just like now, we had the gold-to-silver ratio move up significantly. Now, this was this move up in the gold-to-silver ratio, again, was something that caught me off guard. Now, in terms of the real gold-to-silver ratio, I don't think it ever moved quite this high. But again, not that long ago, I'm talking in the last um, 30 days, in the last month, gold-to-silver ratio was as high as over 125 to 1. Now, did they, again, did anybody actually get it at that ratio? Um, no, because, yes, gold was selling at a significant premium, but silver was selling at, I think, an even greater premium. But, similarly, back in, in 2008, uh, the gold-to-silver ratio, which had been trading in the uh, low 50s, spiked all the way up to over 80 to 1. So, again, we're seeing a lot of parallels here. And when that was all said and done just like we're seeing right now, you see a pretty healthy move up in, in both metals. And I think that's going to continue. I think that parallel is going to continue. Ultimately, how this culminated following the Great Recession was over a several-year period, ultimately ending in, in 2000, uh, 2011 and, and 2012, to some extent, for gold, uh, the, the price moved up considerably. Um, for gold, the spot price, again, according to these charts, uh, topped up topped out just shy of $1,900 an ounce in 2011. For silver, of course, it was topping out, you know, just shy of $50 an ounce, again, in the spring of 2011, in that case, for silver. Uh, but then, of course, they came back down to earth, 
and uh, you know silver ultimately hit its low just recently, but prior to that, the low of you know in the fourteen, the high thirteen dollar range, and for for gold, um, following that, it, it was a low um, below eleven hundred dollars an ounce, and and that's where I think the parallels between this stops. I and and the reason I I'm going with that is not because I'm a permable when it comes to silver and gold. To some extent, that can be a description of maybe my views on it, or at least it has been for quite some time now, in the sense that long-term, yeah, I'm very bullish on the outlook for silver and gold. It more so gets at the heart of why are silver and gold going to be going up in the first place, and why did they go up following the financial crisis and the Great Recession? A lot of it related to a weaker dollar, and I should add, I mean, I'm talking in U.S. dollar terms here, and a lot of other you know, global currencies, it's really a different story. What's going on right now in terms of price action, what's been going on in the last year in terms of price action for uh, silver and for gold. So, for example, in, in euros, uh, gold was already basically at an all-time high prior to all this COVID-19 business, you know, just a matter of months ago. Right. If we look at, uh, you know, what's another good currency? We can look at the Japanese yen. Uh, in terms of the Japanese yen, it was already significantly higher than where it was in 2011 before all of this started. In the uh, British pound here, I'll find it here in a second. Um, if we're talking about the British pound, and then here we go, British pound sterling. Again, same story. It was already basically at all-time highs, right? Uh, it just wasn't the case for the dollar because the dollar was significantly stronger. But I, I just want to make that point real quick. Um, an important part of that move up was was a was a weaker dollar and and really expectations of currency debasement as well as broader risk in risk assets, whether it's the stock market or real estate. Uh, various other, you know, private equity, commercial real estate. Um, a lot of that was, was seen as riskier during that time period following the Great Recession. You know, the, the bubble had been pricked and people realized that, hey, we need an effective hedge. We need to protect ourselves. And a lot of that was done, you know, a lot of that bidding up, a lot of that move up was done with the intention of, well, we got to protect ourselves from, from what governments and what central banks are doing right now. Namely, money printing, like there's no tomorrow, and, and massive stimulus packages, massive accumulation of debt. It sounds pretty familiar. I mean, that's what's going on right now. That difference, though, and I think this is where the parallels have to stop, is that we are 10 years in the future, roughly speaking. Yeah, maybe 11, 12 years from, from the Great Recession itself. Um, but but a, you know, half a generation in the future we are an additional you know, 10, 12, something trillion dollars in debt, more in debt here in terms of the national debt, you know, the corporate debt picture, the, the consumer debt picture, are, I mean, that's also much, much uh, worse and has you know, deteriorated over that time period. And, you know, prior to the Great Recession, the Fed had never done QE, and of course they did QE 1, 2, and 3. Well, guess what? I mean, not QE 4, and then now finally QE 4 slash QE 5, whatever you want to call it. The massive balance sheet expansion that we've seen in the last month has really dwarfed any of those previous quantitative easing programs in terms of not only scale, but also uh, the, the pace at which they purchased it. I mean, these past QE programs were took months and months. The Fed's increased their balance sheet by, um, I don't know the exact numbers, for a while there it was $1.3 trillion in two weeks. 
Um, I think in three weeks, I think it moved up to $1.6 trillion. You know, we got to be approaching, you know, roughly $2 trillion over the time span of two months. That's a massive balance sheet expansion, $2 trillion in a month, compared to any of the past QE programs. It's, it's exponential growth. And I don't want to make this a COVID-19 podcast, but we all know a little something about that now, uh, exponential growth. And, and honestly, I mean, we should have seen this coming. I can't tell you how many times in the past I talked about the exponential growth of debt in the broader financial system or the U.S. government debt and our own you know, exponential move up. Well, you know, for a while there, it certainly looked as though that may not actually happen. Maybe we're looking more at, at a linear growth or at least a slower exponential growth of the national debt. And what I mean by that is that you know, for a while there, every eight years, roughly speaking, the national debt was doubling here in the United States. Went from five trillion to ten trillion from from the uh, from the during the Bush administration, and roughly ten to twenty during the Obama and and well, hey, Trump had only put on three four trillion in his first three years. Uh, you know, maybe this isn't going to be as exponential as we thought. Well, <laughs> no, actually, it turns out that that's probably going to be pretty spot on, right? We're going to be approaching approaching thirty trillion. You know, by the time Trump's first term is done in January 2021, right? Now, obviously, it's regardless of who's going to be in office for the second term, uh, whether it's him for a second term or it's going to be Biden or or some other dark horse candidate. Uh, yeah, we're probably going to reach 40 trillion during that time period. If you're looking at what deficits are projected to be over that time period, right? This is exponential growth. And so, again, you know, if if we're talking about a virus, you know, early on, it's it's easy to say, well. Yeah, cases doubled from 10 to 20, but that's not that big. That's only 20 cases, right? Well, you know, when we're talking about a doubling from 10,000 to 20,000, a bit of a different story, 100,000 to 200,000. And, and, and again, I don't want to make this a controversial, because there's so much negative, not negativity, but controversy about this COVID-19 right now. I'm not making it about that. But you guys can understand that concept, that things get more, you know, as exponential as that doubling occurs, uh, the magnitude is very apparent, right? When you're doubling the debt from five, five to ten trillion, that's pretty significant. When you're doubling it from twenty to forty trillion, that's even more significant, right? In theory, you know, if we're going to go, uh, let's say nothing falls apart in the interim, if we're going to go from twenty twenty four to twenty thirty two, we're looking at a eighty trillion dollar debt picture here in the United States. And I don't think that's at all out of the pick. At all out of, I mean, the the CBO, you know, Congressional Budget Office would take that away. I mean, they say no, no way. Of course, a lot of that's going to be with the context of, well, inflation, debasement of the currency. But that's why I believe that this time around, it's not going to be this big blow off three year next leg of the bull market up in silver and gold, which, by the way, would be tremendous, a tremendous move up. And again, if we're looking in U.S. dollar terms, um, from you know, the, the bottom, we'll just say uh, 700. I don't know the exact period, you know, exactly how, let's say 700 all the way up to almost 1900. That's a $1,200 move. But more importantly, that's that's a greater than doubling. It's not quite a tripling. You know, tripling would be a little over you know, 2100 if we're talking the low being a little over 700 during the, the bottom there. Um, but certainly greater than a doubling in the price. Double and a half, we'll call it, or something like that. You know, 150%, I don't know the exact percentage here. I'm not going to do the calculation. 
right? And, and from the bottom here at, say, 1400 I mean, we're looking at a, a price north of $3,000 an ounce. That'd be pretty tremendous. For, for silver, it was an even greater. And by the way, you know, in terms of that ratio, which I think is still very high right now, I think it's going to move much, much lower, similar to what happened during and following the financial crisis. I mean, we saw it move uh, into the, you know, the mid-30s during silver's peak in 2011. I think it's a similar story this time around. It could be lower. It could be maybe not quite as low. But in terms of, you know, we're, we're, it's a different starting point. It's not 80-something to 1. We're talking a high of 125 to 1. Um, it's it's going to be much, much lower than where it is right now, I think, when this ratio ultimately uh, comes down, right? And so for silver, during the Great Recession, again, a bottom of, we'll call it $10. I think it's below $10, but we'll call it $10 and high of nearly 50. We'll call it 450% price growth, probably closer to 500%. I don't know the exact numbers on it again, but we'll call it 450% price growth. Well, what's 450% price growth from, we'll say, $12 an ounce? Um, that's pretty great. I mean, that's that's north of $50 an ounce, right? And, and if we're going to say it's going to move maybe to a similar ratio of 37 to 1, then, then it's going to be even greater than, than that, greater than, you know, 60 or 55 to 1 or $55, 60 bucks an ounce. It'd be even greater than that. You know, if gold is sitting at 3,500, you know, what's 3,500, uh, you know, divided by 35? Something to do the math on that. That's $100 ounce silver, right? And that's easy number there, right? Right? 35. Hundred by thirty-five, we're looking at hundred dollars silver. I'm not necessarily making those predictions. I'm just saying that if we're looking at a similar scale to move up, if we're saying this is all parallel to that, then yeah, we can expect a significant move up in silver and gold. However, where, where I think the the comparisons have to stop is that somehow silver and gold just come back down to earth. Yeah, we could have a blow off top even greater than that in silver and gold. We we could see gold at a very high level um, that would be not necessarily just driven by um, a currency debasement. We could see it uh, a huge blow off top in terms of, of purchasing power. But when it comes back down, it's not going to come back down to, to a similar purchasing power as to where it's at today. And, and I, you know, I think over the next 10 years, we have to talk in terms of purchasing power, not just dollar levels, because, well, I think the dollar is going to experience a greater debasement than it has in, in maybe ever, certainly in, in a very long time over the next you know 10 years. Again, if we're looking at this exponential growth of money supply, of, of the Fed balance sheet, of those types of interventions, of stimulus programs, that the U.S. government debt, um, yeah, I mean, debasement is going to occur over that time period. And it's not just going to be a three-year, you know, top out in 2023 and then come back down to, to you know, 2200 or whatever for gold. No, I don't think that's going to be the story. I think it's going to find a much higher base level of support. Again, in terms of purchasing power, not just dollar terms. The same is true for silver, right? I think the paradigm is shifting, right? Uh, away from uh, what it has been for so long that that central banks and governments, um, when they do whatever it takes, the prop up markets, that that's always going to work. Uh, I think the paradigm is shifting away from that to uh, what are the consequences of, of the previous paradigm? What are the consequences of, of this belief that the Fed and the federal government, or whatever government around the world, whatever central bank around the world, by doing whatever it takes, has actually sparked a huge amount of currency debasement and inflation and massive dislocation of the financial markets and a greater and greater wealth disparity? I mean, what are the political consequences of that? I mean, we're talking, I think, 
a very different 10-year period following this crisis than the previous 10-year period, even though the last 10 years, I think we, we could argue, have been um, very volatile, not only in terms of financial markets, but in terms of politics, especially the past five years, in terms of politics, in terms of geopolitics. Um, uh, you know, I think this next 10 years is going to be even greater than that, right? Um, so again, I, I don't want to just say that this is my, you know, I don't want to ignore the fact that, yes, I've been long-term bullish on silver and gold for a long time now. I mean, I need to put that disclaimer out there, right? And, and yeah, my, my thoughts are a little bit skewed compared to somebody that may be more optimistic on central bank and government and their ability to, to stabilize things, right? I'm a little bit more pessimistic or, I would argue, realistic about all of that. Um, I just don't. I just don't see how we can get back to normal in terms of financial markets, in terms of of debt creation, in terms of of you know the dollar being any reasonable store of value over it you know, over the medium term, right? I just don't see how we get back to that. Um, I think we've we've set you know out on a path or continued down a path that that we uh, embarked on. 10, you could argue 10, 12 years ago, maybe well before that. Um, it's just, just another step off, you know, closer to the edge of this, this monetary abyss, right? Stepping closer to this monetary abyss that is hyperinflation, ultimately, or high inflation, currency debasement, um, financial repression, which we've already seen a, a lot of in the last 10 years, um, as well as all of the political, geopolitical, uh, societal problems that come along with that, as well as just economic malaise. That's why my conclusion for the next, you know, that's where I think the parallels have to stop at some point. This isn't going to be the same as last time. Again, going back to this idea of exponential growth and that this 10 years is going to be much worse than the last 10 years because, well, hey, we haven't solved any of the problems. We've just done our very best to paper over them by printing money, by leveraging up you know finally as i put in the title of this video uh, i did want to mention you know what if we're talking silver and gold where where to buy it well i i can tell you what i actually just placed an order to today for silver because there's a lot of dealers out there that are low on inventory and high on premiums and i get it i i that's capitalism right if if you have a low amount of um of, of silver on board or gold on board and and you don't want to sell it all at you know low price i mean can you imagine if dealers had actually lowered their prices to 11 12 i mean a lot of these dealers uh retailers are are hedged so they may not experience a huge loss even if they bought the metal at 16 bucks an ounce and they had to sell it at 12 some of them are hedged they may not take a huge loss i don't know the details of all their hedging and and what they can stomach and what they can't however if they have the opportunity to sell it at a higher price, and furthermore, if they need to raise the price so they don't just completely sell out and, and not be able to sell anything because they don't have inventory because new inventory is coming in at a trickle right now because of, of everything that's going on, I get it. I get those high prices. I get those high premiums. So where does that leave us? Well, there's one place. Now, this isn't the only. I mean, this isn't gospel truth for where to buy silver from, right? Um, but there is one uh, mint out there that has a very strong reputation. I've bought from many times in the past, 
and I think provides some of the premier bullion on the market at a reasonable price. Can anybody guess what I'm talking about here? Of course, I'm actually referring to uh, Scott Stillman out of Arizona. They're still running. They're still up. They're still, as far as I know, minting. In fact, they're still they're they're making some products, silver related products, um, for for uh, in this whole COVID nineteen business. But but they are um, continue to sell silver and gold. And I'll be honest, at pretty reasonable prices. This is not just generic bullion. It's bullion. It, it's not. They do sell government-minted coins. They mint a lot of government-minted coins, a lot of times for smaller sovereign nations, you know, island nations in the Pacific, etc. They do sell a lot of that. However, two products that I would recommend, three products I'd recommend looking at on their pages. First of all, their 100-ounce stacker bar. In fact, I'll bring up premium here for you real quick. Um, their 100-ounce stacker bar. Actually, I'll get to that one in a second because I don't have it up quite yet. Uh, we'll start with our five ounce stacker round. Very beautiful product, I think, by silver standards in terms of bullion and whatnot. Um, they offer free shipping at five over $500, higher than other places. Otherwise, it's $6.50 for flat rate shipping. Um, and currently, if you want to buy one of these, five ounces of silver, we're talking $95.80. That's under $20 an ounce. And if you want to do more than one, if you want to go anywhere from two to 49 of these, which is probably most of my viewers, I don't think most of you would be able to buy more than 50, maybe, we're talking $93.30 an ounce. Pretty reasonable if you want to go up in, 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 in terms of, of ounces. Uh, what I actually ordered was a kilo stacker bar, a lower premium. Um, I, I for for one of these it's currently listed as five hundred eighty-eight dollars and sixty-nine cents, right? For thirty-two point you know one five one ounces, a kilo of silver, roughly speaking. There's got to be some rounding in there, but but five hundred eighty-eight dollars that comes to um, I, I believe under eighteen fifty an ounce. Not that bad considering the current spot price of silver, which is in the fifteen dollar range, and and the crazy high premiums that a lot of these. Dealers, and if you have even more, you know, money to, to burn through a stimulus check or something along those lines, um, you can also get their 100 ounce stacker bar, which, if you're only buying one of these, comes in at 1,821 dollars. And these are all, by the way, if you're using like a wire or an e-check versus like a credit card or PayPal, which is me higher premium. But but if you're using that uh, wire or an e-check, I'm talking 1,821. Easy math there, 18 bucks and, and 21 cents an ounce. And if you're going to buy more than that, the premium goes down and down from there. Uh, again, I, I doubt many of my listeners will be buying it by the thousands or hundreds of, of ounces. But I know you guys are out there. So that would be my recommendation. Now, now the disclaimer with Scott Stills, like so many other businesses in the precious metal space and otherwise, we're talking huge delays here. Um, if you're doing through wire or through e-check, you're already going to be looking at a period of time to, to, for your payment to clear um, in a week or whatever it usually takes. And currently, once it does clear, Scottsdale is stating a 20-plus day wait before your order ships. It sucks. I get it. And I'm willing to, to wait, I guess. Um, 
you may not be, but but that's just a disclaimer I want to throw out there. I don't know all the wait times for all the other dealers. I know some have worked through a lot of their backlog, and they're not dealing with as large of a a backlog at this point. But in terms of premium, in terms of price, I think Scottsdale is doing a really excellent job right now of providing a a strong product, um, and uh, and I highly recommend um, at least checking it out. Of course, I have no financial relationship with Scottsdale. I just like their products. Uh, bought them in the past, and uh, and they're, they're like I said, print uh, they print, <laughs> they mint some of the real premier silver and gold bullion out there, as well as some really great uh, government, uh, you know, legal tender coins for various nations around the world. So highly recommend Scottsdale silver, um, and that's where I'm buying right now. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion about you know, the price of silver, where is it going, price of gold, what can we draw as parallels, and, and what should we maybe not draw as parallels. As always, though, I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast, and God bless.